You're listening to a podcast mini-series on artificial intelligence from McKinsey, featuring conversations with a wide range of experts in the field. With its widespread implications for society, artificial intelligence is increasingly becoming an important item on the policy agendas of governments around the world. In fact, a number of governments have wisely gone so far as to draft national strategies for AI. What are these strategies aiming to achieve, and how will they enable AI to benefit citizens as well as protect them from potential unintended consequences? I'm David DeLalo with McKinsey Publishing, and welcome to this edition of our podcast series in which you'll get some insights on how governments are beginning to think about AI from Kay Firth Butterfield. She's the head of Artificial Intelligence and Machine Learning at the World Economic Forum's Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution. What does one do in such a role, you may ask? I know I had the same question, and here's how Kay explained her role. So the work being done out of the four centers for the Fourth Industrial Revolution uh, in San Francisco, Beijing, Mumbai, and Tokyo is around governance and policy of artificial intelligence. So when I say governance, I don't mean regulation. I mean looking for agile ways in which to help the technology to benefit humanity and the planet, whilst also making sure that we mitigate the negativities that we're seeing come up, particularly from AI. So I work in the AI space, but my colleagues work variously in blockchain, drones, precision medicine, and other emerging technologies. I wondered what this type of governance looks like. So Kay shared an example of a project she has worked on with the UK government to help it create guidelines for the procurement of AI technologies. As you may know, the government procurement around the world is worth $9.5 trillion each year. And so if you can plan to procure artificial intelligence product for your government, then you can begin to kickstart the AI economy in your country. And so the work that we're doing with the UK started when they sent a fellow to work with me in San Francisco. And we have since then been co-creating 10 high-level principles around procurement of artificial intelligence product by the UK government. Those were agreed. And now we are drilling down and creating a workbook so that the procurement officials actually know how to apply those guidelines. So what we're creating is not regulation, which would take a long time to go through the parliamentary process, but actually we're creating iterative, agile governance around a technology that is in itself changing almost as frequently as we think about it. Initiatives like these are useful for governments to begin taking advantage of AI. But Kay went on to explain that it's important for governments to make them part of a comprehensive AI strategy. To date, only 28 governments out of 195 have drafted such strategies. Kay offered some advice to the others on how to get started. So first of all, think about what it is that you actually need to solve. So, for example, in Denmark, um, they 
don't have a labor sh they won't have a labor shortage they actually need because they they don't have so many young people they actually need to use ai to automate some of the jobs so that their population is benefited by ai the same would be true in japan so if you look at the work that japan's been doing they've been really thinking about data policy and elder care how can they grow their robotics come AI industry so that they can keep more people in their homes, so they can keep more people mobile for longer by perhaps autonomous vehicles. Um, so because they don't have enough young people to actually care for, for the older people. If you look at India's national AI strategy, what they did was they said, okay, we want to concentrate our efforts in stimulating the AI economy in um, these verticals. So healthcare, agriculture, and education. But we also want to think about the fact that India is made up of mainly small and medium-sized enterprises. And so how do we make sure that they too can benefit from the AI economy? And so the, one of the projects that the Indian government is actually doing with the forum is creating a democratized database for AI so that more people can actually have access to the data of which they can create applications in AI. If you move to a, a developing world um, state, then you've got different issues where you've got a very large, particularly across Africa, you've got a very large group of young people. And um, so what, where are you going to use AI to enhance them when actually you've got a big labor market anyway? So that's a completely different issue uh, again. So very much depends upon what you need to use AI for. Kay noted it's not only important that governments think about how to use AI to the advantage of their people, but also how to ensure it doesn't harm citizens. The thing that probably keeps me up awake, uh, up at night is that we aren't moving quickly enough. The AI product is growing really quickly and governments don't really have policies in place that truly protect citizens. And so we need to rush in that direction. I'll give you an example. One of the projects that we're working on with UNICEF is around protecting our kids. So you may have seen that there are a lot of AI-enabled toys out there that claim to educate our children. Well, at the moment, we don't know what, how, who has created the curriculum in, that is embedded in these toys. So we don't know what they're being educated and how they're being educated. Um, we don't know how much of their data is being collected and stored. So are we at a point of um, somebody being able to monetize our children's data from cradle to when they're 18? In which case they won't then have to apply for college because somebody will just be able to buy all their data. Um, we haven't thought through the fact that if, for example, child, a child is playing with a doll and the doll says, um, I'm cold, and the child says to the parent, um, my doll needs a jacket, is that advertising to the child or is it not? 
And we are already doing a um, project with France around facial recognition technology and the intersection with civil liberties. We know that facial te recognition technology is really important for catching criminals and terrorists and spotting human trafficking and things like that. But we also need to we also need to work through how the technology could also interdict our civil liberties. While issues like these are cause for concern and attention from governments, Kay notes the promise of AI to help people around the world make it a worthwhile pursuit. Well, I think the thing that excites me the most is that we may be able to um, help people who are currently suffering to not suffer. So just um, as basic a thing as using drones to deliver blood to women who are dying in childbirth in Rwanda. That's something that the fourth industrial revolution, my colleagues who work on drones, were able to do. So, so and that's without AI. Once you start use, putting AI into some of these solutions, then we're going to see much better solutions for, for people who are living in poverty or um, whose situations are poor for no fault of their own. And on that positive note, we've come to the end of our episode. Thanks again to Kay Firth Butterfield for sparing the time to share with me her perspectives on the intersection of AI and government. And thank you listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll definitely want to check out more McKinsey podcasts here and on our sister channels. Bye for now.